Welcome to episode seven of Between the Banners, TarHeelBlog.com's podcast about UNC basketball hosted on the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Chad Floyd. I am joined tonight here on a Sunday, the first Sunday of March, by two esteemed guests. First, many-time caller, uh, many-time guest of the podcast, uh, Jake Lawrence, the realist RJL on Twitter. Jake, how are you here? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also one of the people that makes my writing look good, because he is one of the editors of TarHillBlog.com, Akil Garuparan. Achilles Heel 17 on Twitter, I think that's right. Akil, how are you, sir? That's right. That's right. Um, I'm doing all right. Excited to talk today. Hey, there's nothing wrong with not having to talk in a day. Um, unfortunately, we are going to do plenty of that here. Um, just kind of to lay out the game plan, what we are going to do here is just introduce everybody to March. We're going to talk about some seeding scenarios, basically stealing from our colleague Al Hood's uh, great post this afternoon on TalkHillBlog.com. And we're going to talk about some matchups that perhaps we don't like for the Tar Heels. So, Akil, I'm going to start with you. Um, last two games, Carolina's won a couple close ones, uh, beating Syracuse by eight and then last night surviving at Clemson. Uh, what was kind of the key takeaway that you, I guess, what you liked and what you didn't like from those past two games? Well, I liked Kobe White. He's been an absolute star the last couple games. Um, he did turn it over a bit um, during the Clemson game, but overall he's been taking command. Like um, He's been shooting it extremely well. He's been driving at will. He's been offensively everything you'd want him to be at like just at the right time. But he's not, especially against Clemson, he didn't get too much support. I think outside him and Cam Johnson, the team hit maybe two threes for the entire game. Just one, actually. And Really, just one. Well, there you go. I guess the team seems to be against Clemson, and I guess part of this was due to Roy Williams not being on the sidelines, but everyone who wasn't Cam or Cam Johnson or Kobe White looked a little bit out of sorts and really kind of unable to do the kind of offensive execution that they had been for most of the season. Yeah, for me, it felt like there was a lot of one-on-one play, especially in the second half, uh, more so than really I've seen all season. But um, I know May took a couple of ill-advised drives. Little took a couple contested jumpers. And it was all kind of when Clemson was making their run. Um, Jake, the heels held on. Uh, what else did you see besides the godlike performance of Kobe White? <laughs> um uh, there, there are two things that I think are concerning uh, that I took away from from the two games was uh, the defense has kind of disappeared uh, the past couple of games. Now Syracuse hit some really tough shots, uh, and they have a lot. Of, they have a few players that can really go one on one. So um, uh, North Carolina doesn't quite have the athletes when, when to, to handle a team like Syracuse when their guys are hitting. Uh, they did enough to pull away at the end, um, and then against Clemson, uh, they still gave up over one one point per possession, uh, and. I don't know what I don't know if it's a communication thing. I don't know if the uh, if, if they're not comfortable out there with something, uh, but they've just seemed a little bit off after they came off that uh, that 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 huge three game stint with Wake and Duke, uh, uh, and then heading into the Syracuse game. So uh, it's not an energy thing, uh, but it just kind of seems and it's not a complacency thing. They just kind of they don't have that that free flow that they had going on. Um, and for as good as Kobe has been, uh, he is you know. 
from my perspective, he has really struggled to, to shoot off the dribble, uh, and he struggled um, to get others involved. Uh, and I know he had five assists last night, but with five turnovers, and uh, he kind of goes into hero ball at times. So my concern is Kobe White actually at the one, uh, and, and the lack of, of help that he is getting on the offensive end. There's probably a little bit of multiple people to blame in that, uh, and it's fixable. Uh, but I, I'm not going to jump on the all hell Kobe bandwagon that, that some want to right now. Uh, I, I think that I think it's the point guard. It's his job to find ways to get others involved. And uh, now, granted, Luke and Nas did not help against uh, Clemson um, and Kenny. Uh, there were some there were some single possessions or single shot possessions there that everyone had a role in. Uh, but ultimately, I look at the point guard to to get that to get that fixed, uh, and I think that's where it needs to start. Well, the point guard's not the one missing open shots. Um... Guy wearing 24 was doing a little bit of that, but should we go ahead and just kick it to the Jake Lawrence, uh, seventh woods segment here? Since I, I feel like we were going that way. <laughs> no, I mean, I was not going to go that way. Look, I, I'm obviously a, a huge seventh woods fan, but I'm also not blind. He has struggled throughout, throughout the season. Um, and as the, as the point guard to a, or as the backup point guard to Kobe, who has been very, very good, uh, by, by multiple standards. Uh, he, he hasn't really, he hasn't really made the most of his time necessarily. Uh, and he's had a good few spurts. Um, I thought that the, the Kobe seventh backcourt was an interesting combination, but it wasn't the most successful. Uh, and it's something to keep an eye on. I think that, I think that Seven Woods defense brings something to the table. Uh, and I think that if you can add his ability to initiate the offense after the transition uh, or after the secondary break, uh, and you provide his on the ball defense, I think there's something there for, for a few minutes at a time with the two. Um, but I'm also not going to say that he's the answer because he's not. Uh, there, there are, there are four of the people on the court with Kobe at a time and he needs a little bit of help, but, um, I, I don't, I don't know what that answer is right now, but I'm not going to say no, we, we need more seventh. I just found interesting that, that those two are on the court together and I think there could be something there, uh, if they define the roles a little bit. Yeah, Akil, what did you see from that? Because it really looked like they were splitting ball handling duties when they were on the court together. And that's something, you know, we've kind of been expecting to see going back to the preseason. And now we're seeing it here in game 28, 29 of the year. Um, what was your takeaway from that? I've got some thoughts that we can kind of wrap that one up with, but I kind of want to hear yours first. Yeah, it was a little weird to me. It didn't work that well, but not a ton worked that well against Clemson and seemed like it kind of did just function like the normal offense functions with anyone able to bring it up the floor and initiate the offense. But for all intents and purposes, it looked like Kobe was the primary point guard. It didn't really look like the two point guard lineup we've seen in the past from Roy Williams with Nate Britt and Marcus Page and Joel Berry. It was um, like, I, I felt like it was treating seventh as more a true wing than we have seen with uh, two point guard lineups in the past. Which is yeah, an interesting was... look. Yeah, it, I, I agree with that, Akil. It just kind of caught me off guard. I think, I don't know if that's why it struggled. I don't know if it's a plan going forward, but I, I completely agree with that. And, um, I don't know if that's really the answer or if they were just trying to find a couple minutes to give Kenny a rest. Well, Kenny was on the court with the two of them for at, at least the stretch in the first half where they were both on the court together, which I thought was interesting. You know, I, I, I can see seventh functioning, you know, kind of as, the second guard on the court without Kenny on the court, just with the way he's been shooting, unfortunately. 
Um, but with the three of them, I mean, you know, it, I, I really thought it just came down to trying to stop Clemson's dribble penetration. I, Jake, you're, you're more the expert there. Um, you know, I basically watch the games and can tell you who's, uh, scoring, rebounding and assisting, but did you see anything on the defensive end that kind of would have keyed into that? I didn't at first. Um, they got, North Carolina was getting, was getting beaten down low early. Um, and then that opened up some, some outside shooting for, for Clemson, I didn't really see anything though that made me think that they were getting absolutely demolished on on the dribble drive or or the dribble drive and kick. Um, so that's why that's why it just really caught me off guard uh, more than anything. And I thought that uh, to take that a step further, I thought Garrison Brooks at times looked really really good and at times looked really really bad. It was just a really weird performance all the way around. Um, and I don't know how much we should take away from it or how much we should just say, hey, they got out of it uh, with a win and then we move on. Um, and I, I, I'm wondering if BC will, or Boston College, I'm wondering if that will kind of clear some things up for us. Yeah, a win is a win is a win, no matter how ugly. And that was kind of what I was hoping we were going to wrap to is UNC's 14 and 2 in the ACC. They are 8 and 0 on the road in the ACC. Akil, what would it mean for this team to finish undefeated on the road with a win at Boston College? Besides the fact that that just seems insane in this day and age. Well, I don't think since the ACC expanded to its current form that at least UNC hasn't done it, and I'm not sure another team has. Maybe Virginia, but... Yeah, Virginia um, did it, I think, last year or the year before. Yeah, I thought they did it last year. Yeah, and that Virginia team before, you know, falling in the first round to a 16 seed was one of the favorites to win it all. And, like, that's the kind of pedigree you're looking at if you finish undefeated on the road, like, schedule complaints be darned really because it's the best conference in the country and yeah, do, going on into multiple hostile environments and pulling out win after win is seriously impressive. Yeah. And, and Jake, I mean, what, what's been your favorite uh, road win? Although that's not really a fair question because there's the Duke game. What's, what's your favorite uh, road win besides the Duke game? Louisville. Um, after the way Louisville wiped the floor with them, uh, they went in there before Louisville broke themselves, um, losing to Duke and blowing that lead. Um, Louisville was, was on the precipice of really, I think, becoming a, uh, an ACC contender, um, or at least joining the conversation to be an ACC contention before North Carolina went there, went in there and, uh, and settled the score. Uh, and I think that, that was the turning point for me with this team. Cause it showed that they could, they could respond to a team that had embarrassed them. Uh, they came out with a different kind of fire. And that's when I started thinking that, um, North Carolina had a chance to, to kind of reel off something special. And have they ever, like I said, I mean, we're, we're sitting here in March and I don't, I don't think any of us really thought we would be at this point where the heels are 14 and two in conference. They've clinched at least the top three seed. And like I said, our buddy Al, um, already wrote on this, but, uh, this is, not a visual medium, so let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, UNC's got Boston College on the road on Tuesday night and then finishes at home against Duke. Do y'all think that UNC has a chance to go ahead and win the ACC outright as we so very much want to do? I, I think they've got a shot. Syracuse is a tough play for sure for Virginia. And and obviously UNC's got to complete the sweep against Duke, but... Those two games, those two games are really what decided it. Both of them could, can go either way. So it's very possible, I think, for UNC to come away with an uncontested ACC title. And Jake, 
I, this has been a point of contention in my life. I don't know if it has in yours, but the ACC title is the regular season and not the tournament. Back me up here. Oh, I, I agree 100%. Um, the ACC tournament was, uh, it was made for, uh, really to me, television at this point. I mean, it, it, you, when, when you go through 18 games and then you, you, you reduce that down to a, a four day tournament, um, or four games that really matter. Um, you can't tell me that, that you're the champion in, in that sense. That, I'm, I'm cool with having two champions if that's how you want to view it, whatever. Uh, you are 100% the champion of the league if you win the regular season. Uh, and I would say that if North Carolina went 0-18 and then won the tournament one year. Um, uh, there's no argument for me on that. And Akil, would you, uh, would you share that philosophy oh, as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. And, but, yeah. you know, basically if, yeah, I mean, if you make a distinction between the two, that's great, but, Duke hanging ACC champion banners is a little bit disingenuous uh, when, you know, they go 10-6 and six in ACC play and win the tournament because they put all of their eggs in that basket. Um, but talking about the tournament, you know, obviously UNC, Virginia, and Duke are the one through three seeds, and getting the one seed means you wouldn't have to see one of those uh, other two teams until the finals. Um, is there enough of an advantage to gl- be gleaned from playing – potentially Florida State or Virginia Tech uh, in that semifinal next Friday to even really be that concerned about it, Akil, or just based on the fact that we're talking about the tournament, you know, just being a TV event, do you really care other than winning that ACC championship? I mean, it's, it's, it can't hurt for seeding. I don't think, or I don't think that losing early will knock the heels off the two line unless it's to like, a surprise winner like Wake Forest winning two games and playing UNC. But uh, I would be slightly invested in it if only for the chances that UNC could turn it into a one seed. Yeah, and for UNC to do that, I mean, I I think they can, if, if they basically have one loss from here on out, they can do that. Um, Jake, how far do you think UNC needs to go in the ACC tournament you know, even assuming a one and one finish to at least have a look at that one seed. I think that they need to win against BC and Duke to even be in the conversation for the one. And then I think, I think at that point, one win in the ACC tournament, I think could be enough depending on what happens with Kentucky and Tennessee in the SEC. Um, but two wins in the ACC tournament, plus beating Duke in the regular season, uh, should guarantee them a one seed. Uh, and I don't know how that could be disputable because the chances of them winning two games in the ACC tournament, that would require them probably beating um, Duke or Virginia, assuming that Virginia does not lose. I mean, there's so many factors we go here. Uh, I would feel mm-hmm. confident if they won two games in the tournament. Um, but I think if they beat Duke and they only win one game in the tournament, uh, then I still think that there is an outside chance there uh, just because the SEC I don't think is very strong, and I think that Kentucky and Tennessee are both right for another upset. Yeah, I think the easiest way to kind of wrap your head around it is for somebody to knock Virginia off the one line. And what I'm kind of looking at is Syracuse going ahead and taking him down, UNC winning the ACC outright, and then maybe Duke knocking off Virginia for the third time uh, in the ACC tournament. I think that would probably be the cleanest way to do it because then you have Carolina, Duke, Gonzaga, and whoever uh, wins the SEC. But there's definitely 
you know, a lot more openings to it uh, than I had really realized until reading uh, Al's post. Um, what, what about that middle tier in the ACC? Just kind of looking ahead to the tournament, which we'll do in a lot more detail next week, obviously. But with uh, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Louisville, NC State, and Clemson, uh, you know, they're going to be your four through nine seeds in some order. Akil, uh, any of those teams kind of scare you going into, going into Charlotte or are you just really not worried about it outside of Virginia and Duke? Uh, Virginia Tech for sure worries me. Um, Syracuse too. Both of those teams have picked up their play in the latter part of the ACC play, especially Virginia Tech has been adjusting to not having Justin Robinson and I think they're a much better team now for it. They lost Robinson in our game against them, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think now while when they've gotten comfortable with guys like Nikhil Alexander handling the ball where they weren't comfortable for a bit in the middle of the season, I think they're a very dangerous team. And Syracuse, we saw how good they can be hitting contested shots and the zone being confusing for anyone who plays it. So those two are be my main concern in the middle part of the ACC. Yeah, Syracuse is problematic for me because Brissett and Battle and uh, Harris even to an extent too are so good just attacking off the dribble that, you know, that's kind of weakness for UNC and kind of plays, you know, the exact opposite of what their zone does. Uh, Jake, who are, who are your teams to watch kind of in that middle tier or do you have somebody in the bottom tier that's going to post No, my two teams would be Florida State because I think they're a tough matchup for North Carolina when they're, uh, when they can hit shots. Florida State's usually mm-hmm. so hot and cold. Um, just because of the style they play and the, and the way they're coached. Uh, but they have the athleticism to give North Carolina trouble, especially in a tournament environment uh, where everyone's a little bit desperate. Uh, and that desperation also, honestly, makes me scared of Louisville and NC State. Um, NC State's going to have to win um, probably two games to guarantee themselves a trip. Uh, and that'll, that'll mean that they meet Carolina in one of those, in one of those two rounds. Um, depending on how it all shakes out. So they scare me. Um, and of course, Louisville, we split with them. They know the, they know the, uh, the template for North Carolina. I do think though they're a little bit broken, uh, after that, after that Duke debacle. So, um, if I had to rank them, I would say Florida State, then NC State, then Louisville are my three that would concern me. I haven't, I'm never going to concern myself with NC State here in the year of our Lord 2019. Um, I think for me, I would replace them with Clemson on the list because, I mean, Clemson definitely had a template. And while UNC was not really hitting shots outside of Kobe White and Cam Johnson, uh, Kobe White and Cam Johnson had to play out of their minds for UNC to escape with a win yesterday. So uh, give give me uh, Clemson as kind of another team that scares me. But I kind of disagree with the premise that uh, State is going to need a couple of wins in the tournament to uh, get into the NCAA tournament. you know, I, I think if they finish 500 in ACC play, which they're eight and eight right now, that probably gets them there. Um, looking way too far ahead, you know, we we talked about uh, UNC needing to get, you know, basically probably four more wins with no more than one loss to get that one seed. And if they don't, then uh, they'll probably be a two seed in either Kentucky or Tennessee's bracket, which you know, that'll work out fine. Um, what are some teams nationally that y'all have seen that you think would provide some uh, matchup problems for the Tar Heels? Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. You know, is is there anybody that has kind of caught your eye as a team that you don't want to see down the road in March? 
Uh, no one in the early rounds, just because that is such a that's such a crapshoot with seeding and all that. So I, I don't want to get too far down the weeds in that. But if we're looking at some of the top teams, and I think I think if we look at this objectively, North Carolina has beaten every team that it should have beaten this year, with the exception of maybe Louisville. Um, and you can say you can argue Texas, but early in the year, it's hard to count those a whole lot. They have they have struggled though with the top tier teams. Um, and they they have the win against Duke, but uh, they lost against Virginia. Regardless if they were if they face injuries or not, they still lost to them. They lost to Kentucky, um, and they handled Gonzaga. So they've, they've been kind of hit or miss, I guess, with with that. Um, uh, two two really good wins, but uh, also also some some concern. So if I'm looking at some of the top teams that concern concern me for North Carolina that they haven't played yet, um, Tennessee and their big men down low are a tough matchup, and that would concern me. Um, and then, uh, I guess you could say that, uh, looking, looking down the road, Michigan still concerns me because I think the way they play and the way they spread the floor, they have an inside outside ability that could, that could cause North Carolina trouble in a rematch. Um, now what people forget is in that game at some point, it was about 14, 13 minutes to go when they, when Michigan was on one of their big runs, Roy basically sat back and played a bunch of reserves for a long period of time. Um, and so I think that score was a little bit inflated and that's what people are remembering. Uh, they absolutely got their butt kicked, but I don't think it was quite, uh, the shellacking that people want to make it out to be just based on how that game was coached and how Roy coaches early in the year. Um, and so those are the two teams. I think Tennessee and Michigan are the two that, that concern me going forward. Um, if you take out the ACC teams. Yeah, and the other thing people forget about the Michigan game is UNC was up double digits before we went to the expanded bench, you know, at the 12, 14 minute mark in the first half. So yeah, that was a game that kind of got away from UNC pretty quickly. And that was definitely one of the teams on my list. Um, Akil, who, who do you have besides, uh, maybe Michigan and Tennessee that kind of jumps off the page and says, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't want to mess with them if at all possible. I wouldn't want to play Wisconsin just because teams that slow it down like they do always make me nervous for UNC. Tempo clashes can go like just as easily one way as the other, and if UNC mm-hmm. isn't able to run against them, that could be a problem, even though Wisconsin's not like a phenomenal team this year. Um, I haven't watched too many of the mid-majors that are supposed to be really good, so like all of Texas Tech and Buffalo and Nevada... All of them, I'm viewing them from the outside, and they look good, but they've—I think most of them have just recently been upset pretty badly. So who knows with them? But those are names that I just like keep an eye on. And yeah, LSU Texas... too gives me trouble because that's just—that that sound that seems to me like it could be a Miami game with just a lot of uber athletes who might not be the best basketball players, but give UNC trouble with the same kind of things that Miami does like routinely. Yeah. Except with a little bit more talent, probably in the case yeah, of with LSU. Nas, yeah. With Nas Reed as well. Yeah. Um, Texas tech was kind of the inspiration for this segment. Cause I got to watch them play for the first time yesterday and they are, you know, just one of those teams that's just scrappy enough to where, you know, they really get under your skin and they, are kind of the team that I really just want to avoid, um, especially, you know, with the way Jarrett Culver's kind of coming around. Uh, they've actually won eight games in a row here. And, you know, they're, they're probably lining up to be a three seed, so UNC could see them as early as the uh, Sweet 16. But th- that, that was kind of a team for me that I had 
on my radar. They might end Kansas's uh, eons long streak of winning the um, Big 12. Um, I guess my other point with that is that any team from the Big 12 always kind of concerns me because UNC's lost to a lot of them under Roy Williams. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's true. I, 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 Texas Tech is a good one, man. That's that, that's a good pickup. I had not thought of them, but that's they are really solid defensively and could really give really give North Carolina some trouble getting into their offense. Now, having said that, Jake, I want Kansas this year. Um, I oh, I can understand why somebody <laughs> would say that. This would be the year to do it with the with the injuries and the struggles they've had. Uh, but I just I always want to stay as far away from Kansas as we as we possibly can. It's just too many bad memories going back even thirty years. Well, who who are some teams that you do uh, want to go ahead and run into? Because you know when UNC wins the title, it's normally a pretty chalky bracket that they have to go through. So they're going to play the maximum seed in every round. Um, <laughs> it, any um, teams that. In that top 15 that don't scare you at all? I would love to play Gonzaga again because I think teams that try to run North Carolina uh, usually regret that decision. Um, I actually I, – I would like to play LSU. Um, I know that's one of the kills teams but uh, to, to watch out for, but I think that athleticism, I think they're young enough and, and brash enough and inexperienced enough to think that they could go toe-to-toe, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think that's something that would, would work well in North Carolina's favor. Uh, and they probably won't be in the, in the top 15 or 20, but I would really like to beat Villanova on the way to the final just to, just to kind of keep that little, that little competition going. Well, we did it in 05 and 09. Um, Akil, who do you, who do you have, you know, kind of as teams that you want to go ahead and get one on, uh, as the tournament approaches? Um, I want to see Purdue, honestly. I don't know if that's because, like, I think they're a good matchup or if I just really want to see Carson Edwards play against UNC, but, Teams that have a single star and then basically no supporting cast to speak of, UNC typically does well again. Like, we'll let someone get theirs, but that's not going to be enough to beat the kind of team that UNC is, like spreading the ball offensively and scoring. The team will outscore the individual, essentially. And Carson Edwards is phenomenal, but I think UNC could both probably limit him to a low efficiency and just outscore his teammates. So the uh, the Blake Griffin approach there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Something like That's that. exactly what I was thinking, Chad. That's a really good point, Akil. Yeah, uh, and that, yeah, actually it really is a good point. Like, I I have nothing to add there. Um, I guess the one team that I kind of want to see just uh, as we go along is Michigan State. I just, you know, I think uh, their backcourt is still – Formidable, but I just don't really see them. You know, I, I feel like they've already peaked, and I feel like they're kind of trending downward. They got swept by Indiana this year. Um, just given Roy Williams's panache for beating uh, Tom Izzo pretty much in any condition, I'm I'm ready for Michigan State again. Um, while we're talking about classic UNC opponents, you know, though that, um, that's a team though they could face early too because they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're probably going to take. They could take a late season swoon as they've already kind of started. Um, and they could very easily end up down on that four line. Um, that, that North Carolina could see if they make the one or they could be on that th- a, a low three and North Carolina is a high two. Um, that is a team that North Carolina very realis- realistically could see within the first three rounds. Yeah. I think it's more likely as a two three. I, I um, 
you know, just because the top end talent in the uh, Big Ten is such that Michigan State should at least still sneak through to like the semifinals in uh, Indianapolis. But um, I guess I'm going to leave y'all on this, guys. Uh, with the uh, Boston College game coming up, with UNC's chance to go undefeated in ACC road play, what are you going to be watching on Tuesday night as the Heels come away with the victory? Uh, Jake, we'll start it with you. Uh, I really want to see them dominate on the boards and clamp down defensively, make this a 20-point drubbing and get some confidence before heading into Duke uh, and get that defense back on track. Yeah, getting the defense back on track would be huge, and uh, shutting down Kai Bowman and uh, some dribble penetration would be a welcome relief after the last two games. Um, Akil, what are you looking for up in Chestnut Hill um, besides Al Hood in the stands? <laughs> yeah, I guess he'll have a chance to be there. Um, as I write my three things to watch, one of the things I'm looking for is Sterling Manley's return, coming back against Clemson, which was already a tough matchup with their pretty elite paint defense and then getting elbowed in the face to basically start his <laughs> minutes could not have been the best welcoming, but Boston College is a little softer inside, so I think maybe he'll be able to get going and get into gear to help UNC on a postseason run. And do you do you really um do you really see him being a big part of the rotation going into tournament play? Because I'm I kinda yeah. see him, you know, getting some spot minutes, but Huffman still got some minutes yesterday. I just really think, if anything, he's going to be just a body for five fouls. I think he he can do that. He's also got, like, the kind of image as a rim protector that UNC doesn't have. And I think even if he doesn't play that much, like, just having that kind of threat is enough to scare some teams off the durable penetration that's been getting UNC lately. So I, I think there's legitimate things he can bring, even if he plays, like, five to seven minutes a game. I like it. Um, Jake, anything on Sterling Manley since we didn't really touch on that? Uh, no, it's all about expectation management. The kill, the kill hit it. I, I don't think you're seeing him more than five or seven minutes a game, but he's got enough that in those time, in that time, he can make an impact. And we've seen that this year. I mean, um, we've seen subs, whether it's Leaky Black or whether it's, um, Seventh Woods coming in for five to eight minutes a game, uh, and they can have a very positive or very negative impact. And, uh, I think with, with someone who's 6'11, and the wingspan that he has, uh, you got to find a way to get him on the court uh, to, to to give teams a different little little matchup uh, to deal with. Yeah, I think he becomes very important in a situation where, you know, spoiler alert, Garrison Brooks will probably get in foul trouble again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but other than, you know, other than that, I'm I'm just you know I might be sleeping on him a little bit. I just kind of think his you know he's probably at best the eighth or ninth guy uh, in this rotation, which. You know, I think we could all be saying the same thing there. Um, for me, speaking of Garrison Brooks, for some reason, I, I feel like he's about to have a breakout performance against Boston College. Uh, Akil, you kind of touched on them being a little bit softer down low. I've actually got the, uh, BC Georgia Tech game on, uh, on mute in the background and that definitely uh, plays itself out on TV. And this is the first time I've seen them play all year, but, um, I can see Garrison Brooks having like a 16 and nine performance and just giving UNC one more threat for uh, Duke and then postseason opponents to think about. Um, guys, that's about all I've got for tonight. Uh, Akil, what do you have coming up? What do you have to plug and where can the people find you? Um, I'll be writing the three things to watch to go up tomorrow for the Boston College game. 
I'm covering recruiting, but we're probably not going to get one of those this week. And you can find me on Twitter at AchillesHeel17. And Akil is great for really snarky Ron Rivera tweets, um, among other things. Definitely worth a follow. And Jake, same question. What do you have coming up this week, and where can the people find you? Uh, I have three things to watch for Duke, and then before that, I'm going to review uh, Mac Brown's first 100 days as the head coach uh, and kind of bring everyone up to speed on, on where he's been and, and what he's done, if they weren't already aware. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter as well at the realist RJL. And, uh, of course, that tag is at the top of all, all the articles that, that I write. So uh, that's where they can find me. Hey, one-stop shop right there. Uh, well, Jake, I'm probably going to be stealing you for another podcast uh, here this week just based on that 100 Days article because we need to get another episode of Don't Punt to Geo out. So we might have to touch uh, We might have to touch base postgame here. That's pretty much all I'm going to be doing this week is uh, the podcasting and whatever comes across my Twitter feed, at Chad underscore Floyd. It is probably touting the good work of the good people at Tar Heel Blog, or it is some kind of stupid real estate rambling. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening, and stay tuned. Brandon and Tanya will have episode 8 of Between the Banners coming up sometime after the game on Tuesday night. Until then, keep it locked and go Heels. Between the Banners, episode 7. Ah, shit, that's terrible. Um, Let's see here. Well...